I'm going to be reading in Matthew chapter 1. Um, and by the way, beginning in January, I'm going to speak from the English Standard Version. Um, no more New American Standard. Uh, it's a little bit more readable, but it's still just about as literal as the NASB. So it's going to be the ESV, English Standard Version. <sighs> yes, okay, so um, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been committed to marriage to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so we're told that right up front that um, this child's been supernaturally conceived, but not everyone knows it yet. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. Not literally send her away, that's uh, a Hebrew idiom for a divorce. But when he had considered this, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife. Every year I struggle with Christmas messages. Um, there's not a passage having to do with Christmas that I haven't read at least a hundred times um, and, and heard my whole life growing up because every year uh, you go back to the same passages. I, I realize that I, I need to keep with the spirit of Christmas, which I'm such a Scrooge, it's a little difficult, but I need to keep with the spirit of, of Christmas because it's a season of warm emotions. We have the, the scene around the manger with the holy family and everyone's got halos. And then we have, um, you know, Christmas morning around the tree, everyone's got horns. <laughs> and, uh, you know, those wonderful memories of childhood. And it's also a time of, of nostalgia and loneliness and feelings of loss. I know it's important for me to provide perspective during the holidays, uh, try to keep our hearts in the right place um, so that we, we don't fall victim into our typical ways of overdoing Christmas, too much spending, too many dinners, too many sweets. But instead of all that goes on at Christmas time, all the, the frenetic activity, instead of that being for us a distraction from the story of Jesus, 
It's almost like the story of Jesus comes as a distraction in the midst of all of this hectic activity. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. And you know, it almost feels like it doesn't fit. I mean, this is where it all began, right? This is where Christmas all began. You know, and, and sometime later on, in really the recent past, Santa Claus got ins- inserted into it, and the reindeer, then, you know, the, uh, all the decorations that start going up around uh, the end of August. Uh, it's, it, it's just like, um, and then the story of Jesus, you know, where it all began. It's like, oh, what's that? Um, it just seems like it's incongruous. C.S. Lewis would talk about two holidays go on, that go on around this time of year. And, uh, and, and one of them he saw as pretty much a pagan holiday and the other having something to do with the sacred. Uh, but I wonder, is there any possible way that we could read the story and hear it as if for the first time? I decided that I would begin with this passage, but when I opened it up, it, it just sat there, not saying anything to me. Um, and it, it doesn't matter what I do. I know <laughs> there are many preachers who are Bible thumpers. That's how they get the Bible to talk to them. Uh, they, they, they beat the message out of it. Um, I can try threatening, but... <laughs> No one listens to me anyway. It, it, I read the story and it just seemed old and worn out. It's so long ago. It's so far away. Even the culture and the clothing shout irrelevance. All you have to do is just imagine the food trough, the baby lying in it, Mary in, in her robes, Joseph over in the corner with his smartphone taking photos of the baby, <laughs> put, posting them on his homepage. You know, it's like this. It just doesn't work. We just don't live in a time where we can easily slip back there and feel like we connect. Um, We can say, how lovely, how quaint, you know, how pastoral, how ancient. But we, we don't connect with it like we do making sure we've sent the cards out to everybody on our list. Besides the historical disconnect, uh, I was personally preoccupied uh, these last few days. I learned from a friend on Friday uh, some really disturbing news about something going on in his life. And I wasn't able to to shake it. In fact, uh, I woke up in the middle of the night just last night thinking about him and wondering, what's he going to do? How's he going to get through this? He's about my age, and what he's facing is pretty serious. And um, it was the middle of last night that I realized how this story is really our story. It really does work. It really does fit. There's something in it that's identical to our situation. So first... um, we get into our time travel machine and we go back. We're going to meet Joseph. He's not one of the main characters in Jesus' story, even though he's his stepfather. Joseph never says a word. He, he's not given any lines. 
Um, maybe he wasn't a good actor. You know, don't give, don't give Joseph any lines. It's like giving lines to Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, and uh, uh, so he's there, but he's silent. And after Jesus' childhood, he disappears. And we don't know what happened to him. Uh, Catholic theologians tend to speculate that he died uh, early on. We know he was a carpenter, which probably means he was a stonemason. And all you have to do is take a tour of Israel and see uh, how much is made out of stone. They've got a surplus of stone. The first time I went to Israel, we had a tour guide who said that uh, he's trying to explain uh, the terrain. And he says, well, in the beginning, uh, God gave three angels huge bags of stone, and he said, go and distribute these around the world. And so... The two angels were really faithful about this. The third angel got to Palestine, got bored after a while, and dumped the whole bag there. Uh, so, um, so everything's made out of stone. And uh, even the ruins that, that still exist today from Jesus' time are all made out of stone. So he was probably a stonemason. It's fair to assume, I think, that he was looking forward to his marriage to Mary. And also, it's fair to assume that he was shocked and wounded when he found out she was already pregnant, and he knew he was not the father. Joseph was a good man. Um, Matthew calls him a righteous man, which means he did the right thing. And that's what he wants to do here also, the right thing. And his goodness becomes evident uh, in the glimpses that we have of him in Matthew and Luke. To say the least, um, Mary's pregnancy ruined his plans, the, the future that he had been imagining. Whatever his dream had been, uh, with Mary as they grew together, with his, his firstborn son, whenever he came along, that he would be raising him, he'd be training him, uh, he would uh, involve him in the family business. And one day, he would carry on the family name. And whatever he had been looking forward to died when he heard Mary was pregnant. It, it changed everything. This turn of events created new problems to be solved rather than dreams to be fulfilled. Regardless of what Joseph may have felt when he heard this news, and again, we can only speculate because we're not told and he doesn't say, he came up with a plan B, a private and quiet divorce. He did not want to bring any public disgrace to Mary, any more than what she would already suffer with. At the same time, he could not let go of those painful thoughts. They would gnaw at him. Uh, the complications of this situation and what moving on might look like because now it's, he's taking a different road than the one he had been on and he assumed that he would continue to move on. Matthew says that while he was planning to privately put her away, he, considered, he was considering these things. Um, 
the, this word consider, the form of this word in the Greek, occurs only three times in the New Testament. It can mean to take something to heart, sometimes a bad thing to heart. It can refer to repetitive thinking. And um, it can just refer to pondering, like he's doing. But it also has a strong emotional element to it. In fact, uh, one of the root words, thumeo, uh, means wrath or to be very angry or very passionate. And so he's considering all this stuff, but he has strong feelings about it too. You can't be neutral about it. Do you know those kinds of thoughts? The thought itself carries a force of emotion. And it's the kind of thing that keeps you awake at night. It's not surprising that the angel would appear to him in a dream. I doubt that he was sleeping well. A lot of his thinking uh, could have been exactly when his head hit the pillow. You know how you can distract yourself with activity during the day, but you go to bed at night and then all those thoughts come rushing in. Uh, And not pleasant thoughts either for him. Frequently in scripture, when God wants to speak to a person, he'll speak to them at night. He'll speak to them in their sleep. Uh, Jacob, for instance, he falls asleep and dreams a dream and God appears to them. And I think probably for Jacob, and like most of us, uh, God speaks at night because during the day all he gets is a busy signal. And we don't hear. We're too preoccupied with other things. God presented Joseph with a plan C. No, it's not the original uh, get married, have kids, have a fairly normal life. I mean, he is, after all, an average Joe. Uh, But, (laughs) okay, just a little slow on the uptake, but that's all right. Uh, uh, Have another cup of coffee, we'll be fine. Uh, Anyway, It's not going to be the original plan. It's not going to be his plan B. God says, no, this is how it's going to work. And his message to Joseph that the angel delivered was, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. All right, so this is what keeps us awake at night. All those fears. How am I going to fix this mess? How can I... How can I get out of this? I can say, your honor, honestly, I did not know the gun was loaded. Um, Even those of us who say we have no imagination, we can come up with hundreds of what-if scenarios. Well, what if my son doesn't graduate from college and thinks he has to move home? Um, What if the noise the car is making uh, won't even get me to the mechanic shop before something falls off and I crash into a tree. What if? Uh, They come so easily, don't they? Uh, So many things can go wrong. And what if even one goes wrong? So when God comes to, to Joseph, the first thing he does is he calms him down. Do not be afraid. He has to calm him down so that he can listen. Now, God's talking all the time, but we're listening to our fears instead of his voice. So 
Take a deep breath, slow down. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. The situation with Mary was not what he assumed. It wasn't another guy. Um, And ending the relationship is not the answer. Go on with your plans to marry her. Be her husband. Let her be your wife. He, He needs to stay with her through this. She'll need him now more than ever. Now see, only a good man would say yes to that. A creep would say, it's not my kid, I'm not raising him, forget it. You know, she, she got herself into, I don't know how, she got herself into this mess, she can deal with it. See, but the good man says, all right, it's, it's not what I wanted, but I love you, I'm committed to you, I'm there for you. I cannot imagine abandoning a family member. I cannot imagine abandoning someone you have supposedly loved. Um, I can't understand that. Uh, I can imagine uh, withdrawing support from someone who's got a bad addiction Um, But that is still extending love. It's just a more helpful kind of love than paying for their addiction so that they can maintain it. But I can't imagine uh, okay I'm not even a good man like Joseph. Joseph's a good man and he's ready to take up plan C. Um, What will come from this is a child with a destiny. You will give him the name Jesus, Yehoshua, the Lord's salvation, for he will save his people from their sins. The the name has a meaning, has a destiny. Uh, And this was to fulfill the scriptures that he will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Here is a savior who comes for his people and he's he's with his people. This this kind of transition, well, not this particular kind of transition, this was unique, but, but this disappointment, this heartache, this sudden change, this kind of transition is a fact of life. Everyone encounters unwanted and unexpected changes. Things happen that we did not plan, that we're not prepared to handle or or cope with. And a sudden change can occur at any time in a person's life. Unpleasant changes are sure to hit us as we get older. Okay, I don't want to say too much, but there once was a worship leader who I knew well and loved, loved his wife, uh, lost contact with her over the last few years, and heard this week that she had died after a long battle with cancer. I had no idea. And she's gone. I I always thought I'd see her again someday. Um, She was gifted in acting, 
and uh, had a lovely voice, and now she's just gone. And more and more losses like that happen in our lives as we age. It's inevitable. But even children, I, I think that we've underestimated the cost of divorce on the lives of children. Um, we think it's all about the husband and wife who, who can't work things out. But the children are always there too. And they suffer. I mean, there's statistics that say that they suffer um, in their education as a result. I mean, to have a team raising children is, is much different than doing it on your own or you know, part-time here and part-time there. Uh, but then I have feelings about that, so I can be off a little bit. Unpleasant changes are sure to hit us as we get older, and every change demands some kind of adjustment. I have to do things different now because the situation's different. And I think that it's the fears over those adjustments. Well, I mean, okay, I'm going to divorce Mary, but wow, is that really the right thing to do? Um, and what would it be like if I, if I took her? Well, could I ever forgive her? Could I get, ever get over this? But if I, if I stayed with her, um, uh, or if I just left her now, how is she going to cope? I mean, will her family continue to support her? Or will, will they kind of just, be, will she be, bring disgrace on the family so they won't want her around anymore? I mean, there's so many things to consider. And, the day before, he didn't have all these worries. But the adjustments that he has to make now, they bring with them a host of possibilities, and many of them are dark. A couple nights ago, Barb and I watched two episodes of an original Netflix series, um, The Kominsky Method. Okay, has anyone else seen that? All right, um, uh, Alan Arkin, who's a favorite of ours, and Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas plays Sandy Kaminsky. He is a, a method uh, acting coach, uh, coaching young wannabes up in LA, in Hollywood. And Alan Arkin is his longtime friend. Well, uh, Alan Ar Arkin, whose stage name is Norman, uh, Norman loses his wife of 46 years, and it's a huge loss. She's the, the love of his life. She's a character herself, uh, very um, charming. Uh, it's hard not to like her. Uh, she's in just two episodes, well, one episode, and then she dies. And uh, he's distraught. He's a mess. He walks in to one of Sandy's acting classes, and Sandy is talking about her death and his emotional experience. And uh, Norman gets really upset at him. He goes, you're using my loss to, you know, as, a, as an illustration or you know, to promote something here. And uh, Michael Douglas, Sandy, explains that we are trying to explore what it feels like to be human. And with deep passion and eyes brimming with tears, Norman says, 
you know what it's like to be human? Is that something you want to know? Fine, I'll tell you. It hurts to be human. It hurts like hell. And all the exploring in the world doesn't make that hurt go away because being human and being hurt are the same damn thing. I cannot argue with that. There's more to being human than hurt. Thank God. That's why we try to stay alive. But being human does definitely hurt at times. And sometimes that hurt is enough to choke on. But even those changes that hurt are not all bad. I know of changes I need to make in my life. And you don't need to know them. I know them. Well, you can tell me if you think you know. Uh, I don't mind. People have been doing that my whole life. But, um, uh, but I will admit uh, that I do need to cut back on the chocolate. Um, but if those things that need to be changed don't reach the stage of emergency, then I can put them off. Because, well, I might have to get up a little bit earlier. I might have to deny myself a little bit more. I might have to get out and take a walk or something, take a jog. And, um, and if it's not an emergency, if, if there's not a critical issue with my health or whatever, I, I don't have to do it right now. And, you know, you say that every day. I don't have to do it right now. And it's saying, I don't ever have to do that again unless it becomes an emergency. If we go without change for a while, without any significant change in our life, it's easy to become complacent. Well, maybe I'm the only one. Um, uh, Jeremiah, the prophet, had this message for the nation of Moab. Moab has been at ease since his youth. He has also been undisturbed like wine on its dregs. You don't let wine sit on its dregs. Um, that is, um, you know, the heavier part of the wine that sinks to the bottom uh, because it sours the wine. You turn bottles in your, in your cellar, I'm told. Uh, <laughs> like to try it sometime. Uh, he has also been undisturbed, like wine on its dregs, and he has not been emptied from vessel to vessel nor has he gone into exile. Therefore, he retains his flavor, and his aroma has not changed. It's the same bad smell, and the flavor is still like vinegar, because there there hasn't been the significant changes that keeps things stirred up and flavorful and smelling right. He says, we can get the same way. All right, also in Psalm 5519, this is in the King James Version, and it might not be the best translation, but it says, because they have no changes, therefore they fear not God. As long as things go on on a steady keel, they don't really need God that much. I don't have to seek him all the time. I don't say, oh God, you know, be near me today, uh, because you know, I can predict what's going to happen today. It's going to be just like yesterday. It's so nice to live without change. Freeze this moment. Homer Simpson prayed um, after the first child was born. Everything's perfect. You know, the three of us freeze this moment. 
and he offers God, he's kneeling at his bed, and he offers God a plate of cookies and a glass of milk. <laughs> and he says, oh God, if it's your will to freeze this moment so that Marge and I Bart, live this happy, settled life, please answer by not saying anything and not eating the cookies or drinking the milk. <laughs> and he looks up, and the cookies and the milk are still there, and he says, God, if it's your will that I eat the cookies and drink the milk, leave them there. Oh, thank you. Thy will be done. So uh, this, is, this is Homer Simpson's uh, example how to pray. But the point is, we would like to freeze things exactly as they are. Please, Lord. No, no big changes. Um, where am I? I'm lost. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> unwanted changes force movement in a new direction. There's a change of course. They may also carry a transformational potential. It depends on what direction we decide to take. Uh, like Joseph, we may come up with our own plan B. Well, I'm just going to do this then. Right? But then God presents us with a plan C. And... Now, it depends on which plan we go with where the force of change is going to move us or, or drive us. Meanwhile, moving in a new direction, especially plan C, things that used to be so important to us are no longer important. And things that have not been all that important become the center stage of our lives. I never cried out to God as much as going through a transition I did not choose. I never needed him as much. I was never so constantly with him because I had to be. And whenever I'm, I'm stressed or anxious, I have to be with him. If I'm not breathing in his presence, I'm easily eaten up inside all the nonsense that goes on in my brain. Working my way through these thoughts, it seemed to me like the right thing to do at this point is to take inventory. And uh, I was going to leave you with a few questions, like, uh, are you able to encourage yourself in the Lord? David, when he was really distressed and his, his soldiers were talking about executing him, was able to strengthen himself in the Lord, we're told. Can you do that? I was going to ask you that. Um, do you have healthy ways to calm your fears? Um, all of us, perhaps, have known unhealthy ways to self-medicate. Do you have healthy ways? I was going to ask you that. Um, can you see uh, unexpected change as your next big adventure? Uh, adventures always involve facing the unknown and taking risks. Can you see this next big changes? Well, this will be an adventure. Uh, I can see that for you. I can't see that for myself. <laughs> but, uh, wow, you're on an adventure. You're, you, know, you get to change. You're lucky you. Um, but, but that's not where Matthew takes us. He doesn't take us into an inventory like this. He, he doesn't take us into psychology, though you know, that can be very helpful at times. Um, he takes us to Christmas, and, and this is more than just 
sorting out our emotional resources for you know, bouncing back, for self-soothing. Um, this, is, this is infinitely more. God has given us Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He's given us Jesus, for he will save us. If we did not need saving, God would not have sent a savior. You don't have to do this on your own. Do you know that? Do you feel that? You do not have to do this on your own. If you think, well, I don't know if I'm really making it as a Christian. I don't know if I'm experiencing everything I'm supposed to or doing everything I'm supposed to. Well, you're not expected to do this on your own. God never said all of this has to come from you. He says it all comes from me. And it starts with having a savior. Not only um, this, not only does he save us from our sins, but you can look to Jesus when your heart breaks. Turn to him. When you get anxious, turn to him again. And then when confused, turn to him again. Turn as many times as you have to turn until your soul finds rest in him. Until your soul is strengthened. Until your soul is reassured and comforted. Just keep turning to your Savior. That's why he's here. And he is also God with us. God in flesh and blood, human like us. And he knows that it hurts to be human. He was crushed with sorrow to the point of death. He knows that being human is hurt, and hurt is being human. Jesus knows that, and Jesus heals that. And those hurts he doesn't heal, he comforts. And sometimes that's almost as good as a healing, and sometimes it's better than a healing. Paul can say, I had this thorn in the flesh, and three times I prayed that God would take it away. And he didn't. But he told me, my grace is sufficient for you. And I perfect my strength in your weakness. And Paul said, you know, I rejoice now in my infirmity because when I am weak, then I am strong. Not in his own strength, but in the strength that God provided him through his grace. So I can tell you not to fear unwanted change, um, but I fear it myself, so it wouldn't be very honest of me It'd be rather hypocritical, and I try not to let my hypocrisy show. Um, I can't tell you, don't fear unwanted change, but I can tell you to take your fear to Jesus. And learning to do that is a real solution because he can calm. Again, begin your prayer for help with several slow, deep breaths. And when you do that already, the change will begin. Already the spirit will be working in you and the touch of Jesus will be on you.
It's why he came. He said, it is not the healthy who need a physician, but the sick. I have come for sinners. Would you stand with me, please? You are welcome um, next week and for as long as we're here to bring with you on Sunday mornings as many cushions as you like. <laughs> uh, back cushion, back support, uh, whatever can make this more comfortable for you. Um, I was going to speak for an hour and a half this morning until I saw the chairs. <laughs> 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 These little torture devices. But... Uh, your posture looks great, though, I have to say. <laughs> all right. May the Lord bless us, keep away all evil, and lead us into eternal life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.